how far we've come. And I honestly believe that our church will be a source of... Is that on? It's not on. It's on now. One, two. It's the one I had. Ward? So I, I believe we are you know, a church that has a call of God and a mandate of God to produce leaders that are beyond us. And we've got to get the, the perspective that God prepare me. And Bible college is a part of that preparation. Um, and we might be thinking, oh, well, should I do Bible college? Bible college will be useless unless you prepare yourself serving in the life of your local church as well as because you not you don't learn how to deal in the ministry by uh, study alone. You do need to do the study, but you've also got to do the, the practical, the, the ministry with people. Um, so I want to encourage you, Bible college students, uh, and thank you for being here tonight and for serving and setting up and um, getting your T-shirt before anybody else, even before I got one. Um, but just want to thank our Bible college students. I want to thank Kylie and um, the great work that she's done in putting all that together. Um, also, I just want to take this opportunity to thank uh, the great preachers in our church. Michael, who's leading a team at the moment in Thailand, um, and they're, they're having a great time. Uh, our intern this year, Emily Gratz. And, um, and I, I believe that, like, this year we did one intern and we've, we've been really blessed, but I think we need to go an extra level next year, believe for two, because yeah. I'm greedy and I like them to do the work. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, don't, I, just don't, I just want us to start thinking bigger and beyond where we are. This building, you know, let, let's get beyond our loyalties to things that don't matter. Yeah. This building doesn't matter. Um, the carpet doesn't matter. We've got to get our loyalties in the right place. And I, I just really want to challenge you tonight. And I'm so glad that there's people here tonight and that you're here and you're wanting to go with us on the next phase of the journey. Um, so th thank you for, for being here tonight. I've got some quotes here. I love my quotes. Um, heartbeat. Uh, and I'll give them one heart. That's a quote from Ezekiel 11.19. Um, they should be coming real soon. I'll, re I'll read them out to you even before they're on. The oh, here we are. The number one. Church hurt. Who's ever been hurt in church? If being hurt by church causes you to lose faith in God, then your faith was in people, not God. And the amazing resource of Facebook told me that. Who else saw that on Facebook this week? That, that is a great lesson. Because I, I know there's, there's so many casualties of church that don't need to be. Do you get hurt? Do you get offended? You know, be a pastor. You get, uh, you get opportunity every day. Because like, you have a target on you that says, people, be mean to him. Next one. The only people who never fail are the ones who never try. That's from the great resource of the word for today. I'm tangling my words here. I love this, this one. You need to remember this. Write that down. And <laughs> Criticising your pastor is a sin. From Billy Graham. I couldn't resist that one. I thought, oh, I'll have to put that on. And he turned 91. He's two years younger than me. Okay, tonight I want to share a word. And normally I have a, about a six or seven pages. I've only got three pages tonight. Because Kyle donated this machine to the church. And I spent most of the day today trying to beat my score 
on Galaga. No, it was good. It was good pressure relief to get out there and play on that machine. It's great fun. Um, My title of my message, if if you're taking notes, is Pegs. 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 It's not quite. It's... The scripture verse that we're basing on is Isaiah 22, verse 25. And if, if I can just encourage the church, this year we've seen the best year in the, all the years I've been here as pastor. We've broken the records of attendance. We've broken the records in finance, in giving. Um, and I hope there's more records we can break. We've started, we've started new ministries that we've never done before. Uh, the Bible College uh, that... that, that with Alpha Crucis uh, that gives you a recognised national and international um, recognition uh, we've never done before in the church. Um, the little links, not, not in my time anywhere, that, that has made a huge difference in our church. Uh, again, I just want to encourage people, uh, that's an area we need helpers and workers in um, because they're stretched to the limit. Kids' church is stretched to the limit. Um, and we need, to, we need to be thinking, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? And, and you might think, well, I can't do much. My dad was, a, was about in his 70s and he started doing kids' church because no one else would do it. I feel sorry for them kids. Look what he did to me. Let's just turn to Hebrews for a second. I read this the other day. And you know how I say this a lot, but it happens to me almost every day. And I've read the Bible minimum in a year. I read through the Bible in a year, and I've done that for a minimum of at least 25 years. And I still read the thing and still find things I never saw before. I'm like, how did you hide that, God? Where was that? And this was one, and I know I've read this, but I've never seen it. Who can relate to that? I want to tell you something, and I never want to get past this simplicity of faith Read your Bible and pray and God will speak to you. Don't overcomplicate your spiritual walk. Don't go looking for a prophecy. It annoys the heck out of me when people say, I said someone, I was talking to someone who I was thinking, you could go and pass a church. And they were going, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Or, oh, well, should I, should I, I don't know. Oh, well, maybe this, maybe that. And then he said to me, and I wanted to, wanted to lay hands on him. He says, oh, and you know what? And we had so-and-so come to our church and he's a prophet. And I went up to him and said, hey, have you got a word for me? I'm thinking, and he didn't have a word. So I guess God doesn't want me to go. I'm like, no, find out. Spend the time praying and asking God. And when those things come to you, you say, well, you know, that's really funny because God's already been speaking to me. That's strange because I felt stirring in my heart and, and maybe that's the door God wants me to walk through. Prophecy is never the direction that, that you take. It's, just a, it's, it's like some, some icing on the top. It's like the sprinkles on the donut. It's just like a little bit of thing to say, you know, God's way of saying, hey, you know what? I know where, where you are and what you're going through, but it's not the navigation beacon that we've made it. Anyway, that's got nothing to do with what I'm preaching. I'm getting too, too mean. You know, I felt on Sunday I was being really mean. And it's just it's like the, the, the other Rob starts <laughs> preaching. Because the, the good Rob's preaching tonight, mostly. But Hebrews 11.40, it says, For God has something better in mind for us. Now this scripture is at the end 
of Hebrews 11, which is the great faith scripture, the great scripture that we use all the time about, you know, it talks about all these people of faith, uh, like Rahab and Jephthah and all these other people. And, uh, and, and it's this thing about faith. And then right at the end, it says, for God had something better in mind for them. No, God had something better in mind for us today. And as you know, the subject of alignment has been on my heart. And it's been a message we've, uh, that we, we, we've got to understand. And I, I guess in my own way, I'm trying to pass that on to the church because I believe it's really important. But uh, just to let you know, part four, we, we did part three on Sunday. Part four is having right heart alignments. Having the right heart in alignment with the purpose of God. And number five, if we get there, will be heaven alignments. Is how we align our life and our purpose um, and, and all, all that we do with a heaven alignment. It's, it's understanding life isn't this. Life is not this. Life is, is, is uh, part this and part heavenly. But we're going to be in heaven a lot longer than we were ever here and we're going we're gonna to live with eternity with what we stored up with now. So we want to store up some treasure. Not, not maybe have, have a, a bag of sand to play with when we get there. But this great chapter of faith ends with something for us. And let's get with the better that God has in mind. Let's align ourselves with that concept of the better that God has in mind. God has better in mind for kids. God has better in mind for buildings. That's what really amazed me when people were ringing me crying because we were changing the chairs. Crying. Oh, pastor, I can't believe it. You know, I, I, heard, I heard a story that, that you, you, we're getting new chairs. And I tell you, the, the, the grace in me was really stretched. But God has better in mind for our youth group. Uh, God has better in mind for our music, for our Bible college, for our prison. Everywhere we turn, God has better in mind. And we can be satisfied with just what we know, what we've been, what we've done, uh, who's where. But we've got to start getting aligned with the purpose of God and say, God, you have better in mind. God, you have better in mind for my life. God, you have better in mind for my career. God, you have better in mind. And when we start to align our mind with the better in mind that God has, life will change. The problem is we think it's good enough here. I'm happy with this experience. I'm going to stay where I am. And we dig our heels in and say, no God. But we ought to align our thinking, our believing with what God has in mind for us. And one of the things I love about these nights and, uh, is, is that I get to share things that we're planning. We're going to do our prayer and fasting in January again. Um, I can't remember about the 12th to the something and it's going to finish on a Friday night. And I feel the most powerful times and, and the most freedom I have is nights like tonight. Um, I, I feel that there's just a reception, there's just a... a, a an ability to preach easier. And, and after our prayer and fasting, I always feel that there's, there's a real release of something special in those nights. And so I want to encourage you, when that it'll be a Friday night, we'll finish that prayer and fasting time, come on out and be part of the launch for the whole year. Um, and it's, that's not the, 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 the big launch and then it's downhill from there. It's, uh, it's a big launch and then we, and then we go on the, 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 the journey together of seeing God do what he wants to do in all of us. But one heart, God not only 
wants to build his church. He wants to build his people. And if we can apply this, this vision statement, now take it in the right context, to be large, relevant believers. You know, that large can be a little bit um, confronting. But it's about, it's about uh, expanding our spirit. It's about expanding our capacity to pursue and per- perceive where God wants us to be. So I want to really encourage you. It's, it's the, the vision of our church can't be seen as, oh, well, it'll be a large, relevant church here. Yeah, well, that's all them. But uh, it's about incorporating in all that. What I want to bring tonight is it's also building bigger people. And, you know, you might think, well, how do I do that? What's it all about? It's, it's a, a, like the journey that BJ's gone on with the prison. I've just watched BJ growing and growing and, and uh, the passion has, has become greater and, and the desire, that the things that he does out there has is, is grown and grown. And, and what amazes me is, is the, um, just the way in which BJ has had more and more uh, credibility given to him. I'm trying to think of the right word, but, but it, it, it comes to him. He doesn't have to go saying, hey, recognize me. But it's been coming to him by his service there. But um, don't live in the boundary of what people say or what you think of yourself. Don't live in those boundaries because people will say all sorts of things and will try and pull you down a peg, but you've got to start living according to the value that God places upon you. Uh, be willing to grow to the extend um, sorry, be willing to grow to be extended to what God has in mind. Where we started tonight, God has more in mind. In 2020, uh, sorry, in the year 2010, I was reading my Bible and came across this verse. It's on Isaiah 22 verse 23, which we have right there. Oh, sorry, 25. It says, the Lord says this. And I remember reading this back in my first year here. The Lord says this. The time will come when I'll pull out the peg or the stake. And in some versions it will say the nail. That's a little bit weak. But it says, in other versions it uses the term peg or stake. And if you've got the New Living it says the, the, the nail. I'm not reading it out of that one. Uh, it says, that seems so firm. It will come out and fall to the ground and everything it supports will fall with it. Now, I have touched on this message before, this this scripture. But all around us are pegs in our church. They're pegs of limitation. And they can come in in many forms. And keep in mind what God's saying here. God didn't put the pegs there. They're things that God didn't put there. But they're pegs. Of limitation. So the word of the Lord is these pegs are coming out. They're pegs that have restrained us. Pegs that have contained us. And God says the time will come when I will pull out the peg. I will pull out the stakes. So the word of the Lord is those pegs are coming out. Financial limitation, pegs are coming out. Facility limitation, the pegs are coming out. I, I want to tell you right now, and this is why I love these nights, because I like to share vision, is I want us to be planning so that by this time next year, we've got some drawings in our hands that we've invested to get so that we can start planning to build a new building. And I don't want to have people coming to me saying, oh, but God, this is a building I got saved in. The building doesn't mean anything. 
I got saved in an RSL hall with stale beer still on the floor. There's nothing in the stale beer. I remember we, we used to go into Sunday morning church and the RSL guys, they, they, they were World War II veterans, they were hardcore. They'd be playing two up and poker and all sorts of things all night and then we'd come to set up church in the morning. I was only a kid uh, in these days and there'd be beer everywhere and cigarette butts and all sorts of stuff and, and we used to find money all over the floor and uh, one day I found the, the bottom of a, of a beer glass, you know, the big heavy beer glass. It was all smashed and I found the bottom and I said, what's this from? And my brother says to me, oh, that's a, that's a um, contact lens. And it's like, you know, how the... Be- and I'm like, well, how do you get that in your eye? Where am I up to? So we, we, we've got to pull out the limitations of these pegs. Sometimes those pegs are people. Sometimes pegs are culture. Some pegs are traditions that we made up. Things that we do. And... and I want to just tell you some of the things that we do is, is I, I, I know we do have a predictable service. Who knows what we do, what we do. You could say in your mind we do this, this and this and this. But we do try and mess it up a little bit. We, we, we purposely try and change it around. Because it, it helps us not to get stuck in, well, we come to church, we go, we're automatic and we're just like, mm, is it time for coffee now? But we, got, we, got to, we, we just try and mix it up a little bit but it, there's got to be, I think, in church culture, there's got to be a, a bit of predictability so we know what time we start and we know what time we finish because that builds people's confidence to come to church. It, it really does. That's what helps to build a church. One of the other things, too, is we're being purposeful and people come to me and they suck about this and they go, well, what's this thing about the chairs? There's, there's not enough chairs. And they go, no, we used to put out, we used to have about 120 chairs out and then you'd have 110 people and they put out more chairs to fit them in. I'm not a mathematician, but I know you don't need to do that. We started with 120 chairs in the church. 110 people came and they put out another two or three rows of chairs. Something tells me they all could have fit, especially when we counted all the kids as well in that number. And they left. And there's something demoralising when you're preaching to three empty rows at the front. It's really off-putting. So the, the reason why we want to fill the church, and, and look, I'll tell you, make it your thing to say, I'm going to walk into church, I'm not going to go where I always sit. Please, 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 if you've been in, in the church for a year, two years, three years, 22 years, say, God, I'm going to come in, I'm going to look at chairs to the front. Please, will you all, if, if amount, this amount of people here did this and walked into church and said, where's the closest to the front I can get today and go to that seat if it's still empty? Let's have an altar call on that one. Close your eyes right now. Who's, who thinks they can do it? Close your eyes. Come on, we're going to do an altar call. <laughs> I'll tell you, and that will change the atmosphere of expectation. You might think, why do they worry about this stuff? Why does it matter? Because it, it creates an atmosphere of expectation. And you know what? People will start saying, well, I'm going to fill the church from the front. And then when someone who's a stranger comes in, they can find a seat that's, that's, that's a lo- lo- better for them. That's why church is not for you. Church is is for those who are seeking God. We know God. We've got to make it comfortable for them. Oh, Shanda. (laughs) 
So when pegs become blockages to growth, they must be removed. We give power to the peg that we hang things on. Using words like, we can't afford, it's too hard, it won't work, uh, nobody cares. They're pegs of limitation. And we've got, to, we've got to, as a church, we've got to start speaking words of life over our own church, over our own families, over our own ministries, over the purpose that God has. We've got to speak life over it. Isaiah 28.16 says this. God is placing a foundation stone. I think I've left a word out there. A tested stone, a precious cornerstone. We've got to build on that rather than hanging on pegs of limitation. Because we can't afford to be loyal to pegs that God is removing. And sometimes I know that, that we can be loyal to friendships. We can be loyal to, to um, you know, like chairs. We can be loyal to carpet, buildings, things that, that we don't need to die for. But sometimes we assassinate our, our future calling and purpose because we were loyal because something got moved around. We give power to the pegs that we hang things on. So don't, don't be loyal to pegs that God is removing, whatever that might be. And you know, it is hard when sometimes you've got a trajectory to, to, to pursue in the ministry, but your friends are unwilling to go. And they're saying, we're happy with where we're at. We're, we're, we're comfortable in this environment. We're staying we're staying right here. That's okay for them. But when you've got a, pu- a purpose and a call that God is stirring you, then you've got to say, you know what, I still love my friends. I can still spend time. But I've got to find those who are going to propel me to my destiny. You've got to do it. You've got to invest in that. Because where you invest your time and who you hang around, that's who you'll be. I've said this a lot with the, the alignment thing all started from this. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So if your friends have gone nowhere in ministry, then hang around them. And you'll end up in the same place. But don't complain about someone else moving forward in the things of God, someone else being promoted. Why are they getting all, the, why are they getting all this stuff? They've been sucking up to the pastor. I don't notice when people suck. <laughs> I'm dumb like that. We find security in our pegs. Some pegs that we find security in. We have career pegs. We have our friend pegs, things that we're comfortable with pegs. And launching into new growth will take you and take us beyond all of those things. And we've got to get past the attitude, I'm comfortable right now with how things are. And the reason why is because God has better in mind. God has better in mind. I'm standing here today as the preacher teaching all this stuff. I was just a plumber who who said, God, I, I just need to know your word. And, I, and I, I just read my Bible every day and I used to go on the train to work and read my Bible and, and just saying, God, I just want to, want to be close to you, I want to know you, I want to understand you. And I'd spend my time at lunch times and, and, and I'd go in the smoker room and, and, and you look up and there's pornography beside me, all around me and swearing and, and all sorts of stuff. And so... I had to make decisions and say, well, God, am I gonna, is my future in this or somewhere else? And I remember finding myself being so hungry for God 
And look, I had great friends in the building industry, but I would go to the Wesley Chapel in Melbourne and, and sit in there and, and sometimes someone would be playing on the organ, sometimes people working in there, and I would just sit down and just say, God, I just want to be close to you. And I'd just be talking to God and praying and, and, and asking him questions. Then I'd just grab the, the Bible, it would be always be on the pew, and I'd open up to anything and just, mm, that didn't make any sense to me. But, but I, sometimes it would. But there was just a burden and a hunger in my heart. And, and I want to tell you, never get more complicated than, than where I spoke on a bit earlier, is learn to read your Bible and pray to God about everything. If you'll read and pray, God will change you. Stop worrying about changing everything else. And, and maybe if I had a different job, maybe if I had a better car, maybe if I lived somewhere else, maybe if I had the right connections or the right friends, you got the most awesome connection that would take you to the highest you could possibly go. Connect with Jesus. I better keep going. I got really, uh, I didn't have many notes, but man, I can talk. Where are we up to? We find security in our pegs, but launching into our new growth will take us and you beyond all those old pegs. Hebrews 8, verse 1. And I love this in the New Living Bible. Because when the Bible says, here's the main point, guess what? Here's the main point. And we don't even know who the writer of the Hebrews is, but here's the main point. Whoever It, it was probably a woman who wrote it. It says, we have a high priest who sat down in the place of honour beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. See, he, Jesus, is in heaven because he went to the cross. Because he was obedient unto death to God. And we've got to keep this perspective. The devil tried to peg Jesus. Literally. Think about that. God says, I'm going to pull the peg out. I'm going to pull the pegs out that don't matter. And the devil's going, you know what? I'm going to try and peg your life. And I'm going to even try and peg God. And he pegged him to the cross. The main point isn't, and you know, I've just been promoting all these things, but the main point isn't doing Bible college, but it is important. The main point isn't going on mission trips or our ministry or whether people understand us or not or whether they know what, what, what is in us or whatever. It's not anything else. We want the main thing, the main point to be Jesus is in the place of honour beside God who took your place for your sin. He took the peg that wants to limit you and had it pegged in his own hand. And he defeated the peg that the enemy wants you to be defeated by. When we acknowledge that and honour Jesus for his place, that's the main point that we've, we never need to get too far from that we uh, we worship we pray we do ministry um, thanks to the main point that is Jesus who is where he is beside God because his own blood and his own sacrifice was shed for us see our, our problems submitted to where Jesus is you might think, but I've got such a messed up situation. I've, I've made so many mistakes. Uh, you know, I can't begin to tell you uh, all, the, all the excuses why you know, God wouldn't want me back or whatever. 
why I can't do ministry, if we submit that to where Jesus is, our trust submitted to where Jesus is, when we transfer our allegiance from our pegs to that rock of Jesus Christ, we build what really counts. So we can choose to live pegged or we can choose to live on a rock that is immovable, that is solid and strong, that never lets us down. One heart, I'm going to ask a question right now, what builds a strong church? Because I want us to be a strong church. Who doesn't want to be part of a strong church? I believe we have an incredible opportunity in the city of Port Lincoln to, to, to have great influence. Not to be known for all the wrong things. To be known for a church that makes a huge difference. Today I had the awesome opportunity to, to be with uh, Doug Pope from the Oars, the men's shelter that looks after guys who get released from prison and helping with them. And I saw the vegetable garden. Every year we've been helping to provide funds through care to, to them to plant a vegetable garden. And they've got a beautiful vegetable garden. They do a winter one and a summer one. And we put about $150 from care into that. But it gets those men doing something and they learn a few skills and they get some pride about doing something. Uh, you know, and, and today we, we gave $500 to them for, for food vouchers so that when guys come out of jail, they don't really have a lot of anything and so they can buy some, some food and some stuff like that or toothpaste or whatever they need and get a start. We're all part of that. And that's what we're here for. And I want us to grow that influence because we can't look to the government to help anymore. So the government used to supply all, all that funding. Now they don't. They give them nothing. And so we're here. You know the Salvation Army in the last few months, they nearly bankrupted the care department because they were coming to us saying, we need help with this, 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 this. And we were saying, yes, 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 yes. Until we suddenly went, hey, we've only got a few hundred dollars left. We've got to stop. So we still help them, but we, we've, we've built the funds up. And another great thing we're doing is our church tithes, of the, tithes on our tithes. And so, and that has, I think that has been, in January this year, I, I brought that to the business team and I said, you know, I really believe this is what we need to do. And we started doing it. And our, our, our resource of financially has absolutely been amazing this year. And I believe that's the pattern that we need to follow. And we've got to say thank you for the faithful people who have been giving and, and sacrificing and, and honouring God in their life like that. But all it means for me is it doesn't mean I get a pay rise. It doesn't mean you're going to send me to, to Europe or something like that. It means that we can do more in our community and be more of an influence and build a new building and do all the other stuff we need to do. I see a building, with, you know, the things I see is I see an, a building down on our church block, on our property. God gave us that property years and years ago because he saw into the future to have a facility that is going to have a, 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 an incredible training centre to train pastors and leaders. It's going to maybe have a great music academy or something or other. I don't know. I'm going to do the ballet academy in there and maybe... Who knows what, but a training facility that people will say, we're going to go there to be trained in that place. I see a you know, double-storey building with, a, with a, you know, a, a reception centre on the top so we can have our, our Sunday night dinners up there every single week and we have Friday night church or who knows whatever. We won't be able to keep up with what God wants to do. And 13 acres won't be big enough. That's what I see. But what builds a strong church? Have a collective culture. And I'm nearly finished. Tell you things. Thank you, Jesus. Have a collective culture. 
That's sharing success across the church and sharing fails. Collective culture values the work all round, not just your own patch. We've got to get beyond our own patch thinking. I preached one of our very first nights when I came a number of years ago about that. We're not going to go into it right now, but we've got to learn to celebrate success right across the board, encourage one another along, saying, you know what, Kylie, Bible College, that's awesome, you know, really good work that you're doing, and encourage people. Um, with with uh, um, administration, tell people, Sharon, thanks for what you're doing in, in the admin area of the church. Uh, BJ, you're doing a good job. And celebrate that. And then when, you know, hey, something didn't really work out that good, uh, you know, that message was pretty hopeless, Rob, but, you know, we still love you. <laughs> but encourage each other and support people when, when something goes wrong. It's not about, hey, we love you when you're succeeding, but, gee, that, that, that didn't work good, so now get lost. So in conclusion, we need to recognise the pegs of, of restriction, the pegs of resistance. Sometimes the peg of resistance can be attitudes, uh, oh, what, what, what's this going to mean? Because they hold back the work. Sooner or later, make the break toward the better things that God has in mind. So we're going to pray over those who desire that future for the better things that God has in mind. Why don't you close your eyes right now? I didn't get my musicians up. I didn't have a secret code for them, but they better <laughs> play and get some anointing here. But I want to pray tonight. Before we go, we've got about five minutes. So I just want to pray for people. Um, maybe you want to respond and come out the front. Perhaps you can stand to your feet. But I, I really feel that tonight's message, we need to pray for people for the better things that God has in mind. For the better things that God has in mind doesn't include those pegs in your hand that Jesus carried for you. Doesn't, doesn't, uh, uh, it doesn't mean those, those limitations that the enemy's trying to encircle you with. He wants to take those things off for the better things that God has in mind. So I want to be a better things in mind church. So we're thinking, God's got better things in mind for this church. God's got better things in mind for my life. God's got better things in mind for, for the things that I can't even believe for. God has better things in mind for me. And I'm going to ask that, that um, whatever we're going to do now, that you just respond. No coercion, no, no bells or whistles. But if you think, Lord, I, I've got some pegs that could go. I just want to pray with you and encourage you. Prophesy over you. See whatever God puts on my heart to share with you. But one thing I am convinced of is God's got better things in mind for your life. God's got better things in mind for this church. And He's going to start dealing in the, the peg department. And He's going to start popping those pegs so that you can be all that God wants you to be. So why don't you come as the 